Welcome to the Inside Pod number two with Mike and Scotty. Have a good show lined up for you today, Alex, from the Graceview Lions on the show uh, for the better part of almost an hour, I think, uh, talking to us about his early time in the league over the last year, uh, his club, his questionable taste in music, uh, among other things. So uh, be sure to check that out. Glad you are here. And we are going to throw it on to the show with Mike and Scotty because we're awesome. Let's rock! Scotty back here, Scotty of the Gins, Mike of the Rockets up in snowy, wintry, blustery, uninhabitable Canada. Hello, Mike. Hey, how are you, buddy? I'm pretty good, pretty good. We've had uh, a pretty fun morning, had a really good conversation with uh, with our buddy here from the BDL, Mr. Alex of the Grazeview Lions. Um, that conversation is coming up here on the show in just a few minutes. It's I think it's pushing nearly an hour uh, on its own, just the just the interview. So, uh, really good, really good talk. Uh, I think we got into some 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 cool subjects, um, and and I'm I'm excited for everyone to hear it. Alex is a Alex is a good guy. He's a new new good uh, uh, addition to the league. Uh, well, not not new new. He's been around for a year, but uh, really just has the, the COVID season under his belt. So uh, we wanted to bring him on the show. Uh, just to say hello to the league in a more formal uh, fashion than he has had the opportunity to so far. So it was a lot of fun. It sure was. I really enjoyed that conversation with him. So what have you been up to this week? Oh, just the usual, working in my basement. Uh, working in your basement. Getting, you know, just you know, it's in the news, I'm getting depressed and just, you know. Ah, uh, yes, yes. I have three kids at home in school and a teacher at home teaching a class directly behind me. So it's uh, such, a, such, a, such as it's life. so much, it's so much fun. How about you? Such as life. Um, uh, you know, I, I still work, you know, on site in, in the office. Uh, we, we do have a remote working policy. Um, I, I've used it maybe two or three times uh, for certain situations. If I've had to, had a, uh, had to get a, a rapid COVID test or something like that, and just wanted to wait for those results before I went back to the office. But generally speaking, um, I've been out of the house every day. But that's that's kind of odd. I, I work for a quasi-governmental uh, organization, so it's it's rare in those circles um, for for those employees not to be working exclusively from home. So it's been a little different in my case. But it's a smaller staff, so. Um, but other than that. Um, I don't know if we'll have a chance to to get together again. Well, I guess we we certainly won't because we're we're about a week out from this now. But um, we won't have an opportunity to to uh, place any Super Bowl bets together until we're uh, on the air again. So, of course, I know we're already breaking our rule. We said last time we would be talking no NFL whatsoever, and we're not really talking NFL here. But uh, who do, who do you have in the Super Bowl? 
I'm a Bills fan, and we just lost to the Chiefs. You are so, a Bills fan. I knew yeah, that. Yeah, that's it's my team, and uh, I, I I hate the Patriots, and therefore I hate Tom Brady. Uh, so <laughs> I, so I will go I will go with the with the Chiefs. Although there's yeah. part of me that wouldn't mind Brady kind of sticking to the Patriots and winning a championship on his way out would actually be a cool story as well. So well, I I feel I, I'm sort of under obligation to root for Tampa Bay um, in this Super Bowl and. You know, dad, um, dad was a long time Tampa Bay Buccaneers diehard fan. The only one I personally have ever known outside did, of Tampa how Bay. How did Mark become a Tampa Bay fan? I have no earthly idea. This, you know, this pre- predates me a little bit, but you know, when, when the, when the Bucks were founded, what was that? Mid seventies, 76, yeah, that, that 77. That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in, in the, the Tangerine Warrior days, you know, when they, he, I mean, from day one, he adopted that that team as as his team. Um, he he was originally a Baltimore Colts fan, and when they uh, moved, um, obviously the guys in the BDL know Dad was a big Orioles fan. Um, yep. He 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 just followed the Baltimore clubs uh, teams, mm-hmm. and so when the Colts left Baltimore, um, he he just kind of didn't really have a team for a little while. And when the Buccaneers were established in Tampa Bay, uh, he, he adopted that team as, as, as the NFL team that, that he was going to follow. And I am telling you through good times and bad, and we all know there and were mostly way, bad. More, way bad. more bad times <laughs> than good. He, he was a die hard Tampa Bay Buccaneers loyalist. And that is so, um, cool. so, just out of respect for him and in his honor, I have I have no choice but to root for Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl. And I just think, you know, it's so funny. Um, you know, uh, of course, the guys in the league, most of the guys in the league know dad spent about 10 years um, across the ocean in Sweden um, throughout really most of his time in the league. He, he lived over there in, in Europe Um and the the one and only time, of course, that the Bucks made the Super Bowl, which was this was what two thousand one, two something like that. Yeah, um, earlier than that, was it? Um, it was uh, two thousand two thousand one, somewhere in that area. Um, I don't think it was. Place. He he hadn't um, he hadn't left the states as of the late nineties, so it had to be a little later than that. But it was two thousand three. Uh, oh, oh three. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Anyway. You know, that was before the, you know, internet was as uh, robust as it is now, streaming services and those things. So he was over there and unable to watch the game when the Buccaneers, who he had rooted for and were a laughing stock for decades, finally made the Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl. So he he was unable to see that game. I I taped taped literally taped back. Mm-hmm. You know, remember those things? Video VCRs, cassettes taped. Yep. Uh, so I taped the game for him and mailed it to Sweden for him to watch that Super Bowl. Uh, and 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 now here it is. They're finally back in the Super Bowl again, and he he's, he doesn't have a chance to see it. So uh, I'm I, I've got a root for for the Bucks in his honor. So that's that's what I'll be doing. But uh, I you know. I, I never, I've learned to never bet against Tom Brady, but man, that Kansas City is a good team, and I, I think it's going to be, good. it's going to be, uh, it's going to be an uphill battle, I think, for for Tom to to bring this one home. But, uh, but, uh, yeah. So, guys, we had initially um, intended to to include a draft results 
segment on this show. Of course, we've had you know a couple personal situations in the league that has resulted in uh, the draft is is ongoing, um, but it, the clock has not started. We're not too far down the the path um, in in the draft. We're not through with round one yet, so we're going to delay uh, our segment and our thoughts analysis on on the BDL draft until the uh, uh, a, a, an upcoming show. I'm not sure based on the pace of the draft whether that will make the next show, which will hopefully be around mid February or maybe towards the end of February, it might be a couple from, from now. But in any case, uh, we, we will be talking about that uh, here here in the coming weeks as well. So, um, But Mike, if you have no other thoughts on, on your love for Tom Brady, I think we ought to throw it on over to, to Alex and, uh, and, and uh, get to know Mr. Gray's view a little better. Let's do that. All right, guys, we have Alex of the Graysview Lions joining us here on the Inside Pod today. Uh, first time I think Alex has had an opportunity to uh, kind of speak to the league as a whole through BDO Media. So, Alex, welcome to the show, bud. Hey, thanks, guys, for having me. All right, so just we'll just dive right in. You, you know, you really stepped into the league, I believe, what was it, like no, November of 19, 2019, I believe, yeah. somewhere, somewhere around there, late late that year you stepped into the league basically minutes before chaos ensued for for the league and for the world in general uh we we lost one of our long-term long-time uh members uh mark of the rebels passed away and then of course uh COVID-19 um early in 2020 came along so your your entire first season with us in the BDL was uh you know thrown into question from the get-go so just, just, to, just in general, just, uh, you know, we've all kind of gone through this together over the last 12 months or so. Tell tell us about your 2020 a little bit. How did it, how did it impact your days, your weeks? Um, what was it like for you? I would say the weirdest thing was uh, I traveled a lot for work. And so mm-hmm. not being able to travel has been the biggest change for me. Uh, being able to travel across the Midwest and then go to minor league baseball games in those communities after I get done with work for the day was always the highlight of my traveling and then moving into and I'm sure a lot of people are like this being stuck in your basement or your house uh, all the time not being able to go out and do the things that you normally do was the crazy part and then losing those first three months of baseball fantasy wise and just to watch baseball and go to the baseball games was a huge loss for me Uh, that's that was everything was watching baseball so that really hurt yeah yeah, I, I can uh, I can relate to that so so much actually. I'm, I'm I um I, I'm in I'm in economic and community development now. I, I come from the media world. I spent a lot of years in journalism, but um, um I've been in in marketing and economic development for uh, the last several years, and you know at least a half a dozen times a year, maybe more, maybe eight six to eight times a year, you know I would be you know flying from Virginia to uh, the West coast or the Midwest, uh, it just kind of all over and, and doing those really those same things. I, I, I had to be in Phoenix. Uh, I guess that's been a couple years ago now for a, uh, for a marketing show. 
and met up with met up with let's see joe and um scott fulbright and um was arlie there i don't think arlie was there anyway with several guys uh, i think chris chris came in for that chris came in for that from um uh, i don't know if he had moved to colorado by then or not but anyway there was a, several of us there and we, we got together it was around spring training so it was great timing and and uh you know getting to do things like that um i i have really missed um and you know that that got completely thrown out the window last year uh, for obvious reasons and um yeah that's that is without question what i what i have missed the most and flying is so different too i i can't it's weird having your mask on for the entire duration of the the flight and also not being crammed in uh you know shoulder to shoulder with somebody now they have those extra spaces in there too not enough people are flying (laughs) (laughs) we my uh my 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 wife and i we we just we got so stir crazy here at home um toward the end of last summer we uh we left the kids here hopped a (laughs) hopped a plane hopped a plane to vegas and just rented a car drove out into the desert so we, we we did fly once last year ourselves just due to the the availability of flights and scheduling, we we flew uh, American and and we were, uh, you know, it was you know you were crammed in like sardines as usual. Wow. So that that didn't that didn't change for us. But <laughs> I, I typically do prefer Delta, and, and I know they're doing things differently. It just didn't work out. Yeah, unfortunately, when it's with work, you don't get to pick who you're flying with. They just right. tell you to find the cheapest <laughs> flight and get there as fast as possible. So yep, yep, yep. And meanwhile. Mike has been in his basement for 12 months. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. And honestly, I don't mind it. I have like an hour and 15 minute commute to the office every day. So I'm getting back two and a half hours uh, due to COVID. So I actually, I don't mind the change and I wouldn't mind if they make it permanent after this. Not COVID. An hour and 15 <laughs> minutes. Yeah. Wow. I'm in the burbs. Yeah, I'm in the burbs. That's, that's crazy. I mean, so Alex, did you, you know, did you ever, and I'm, I'm sure the answer to this question is yes. And we, you know, we kind of saw how things unfolded, but did, I guess at what point did you consider last year, the MLB season to be in real jeopardy? I mean, I, it was kind of a slow wave for me. You know, you saw, you know, you see this coming on and then the mask up um, movement and, and, and those things and, and, you know, the dominoes are falling and you, you know, I, I keep thinking back to the, to the clip of, who was it, Mike? Um, uh, one of the, the um, uh, Dallas uh, Dallas Mavericks owner. The the clip they showed um, Cuban when 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 the the NBA season was I guess paused. You could say and and his his face while he was sitting somewhere near courtside and his face was just uh, the, the reaction was you know really funny. You know when he looked at his phone and saw the alert that the rest of his uh, home games for the, for the year at, at, as of that time had been, you know, shuttled. Um, uh, and, and it kind of just came along like that. And I, you know, it wasn't until probably, I don't know, late March. Well, certainly no later than that. I mean, uh, up into April, I guess, um, that I really started to wonder if we were going to lose an entire, you know, season of fantasy. Yeah, I felt I always felt confident that we were going to get a season. I was always nervous that it was going to be what we got, where it started in late July and we only got two months of it. I yeah. really thought 
late May was a good time to start because you get the summer, the virus isn't as potent. Uh, I thought they were going to go to uh, finding one state and all the teams would be there, kind of create their own bubble. I I'm actually right. shocked that they didn't. And that for how well they actually did without a bubble, I'm going to be honest. I When they said they were going to be traveling, I'm like, well, now the season's going to be canceled. Um, so mm -hmm. I got to give the MLB kudos outside of a couple of idiots who broke protocol. They did really well <laughs> at stopping the spread of the virus and having a season. But I'm a big soccer fan, so watching what they were doing in Europe and playing soccer in May just with no fans, I can't understand why you can't play baseball where there's less physical contact. Um, it, that would seem easier to do than having a football season or basketball where the guys are literally breathing on top of each other for several minutes at a time. Yeah, I think the big right. difference with soccer, though, is they play once a week. Where baseball, yeah. you're playing six, seven games a week. And if COVID goes through your locker room in soccer, you could theoretically shut down a team for one week, miss one game, and then you're right back at it. Mm -hmm. In baseball, if that happens, you're you're basically blowing up your schedule, which which is basically what happened with the Marlins, right? When they had their problems, it not only blew them up, but it blew up the team they played preceding. But you know, the team they just played got blown up, and it can it can cause havoc on the schedule in baseball. We say uh, blow up their season, but that was probably one of the best seasons the Marlins had in a long time. That, that's true. That's true. <laughs> so it worked out well for them. If they need to shut out, shut down for a couple of weeks every year, I think they'll be all for it. If it means going to the playoffs. That's a good point. <laughs> so how, you know, and I, I probably, you know, we'll ask this question to, to the next, you know, handful of guests we have just, just for my own general feedback and, and, and those things. But how, how do you believe the, the BDL handled the abbreviated season under the circumstances? Were you happy with it? Satisfied? Do you think there are things that could have been done differently and better? Uh, the only problem I had was how my team performed those first two weeks because <laughs> they were so, it was so important to do well those first two weeks. And I think my team really did you really expect that? I I expected my team to do better. Uh, he, played, he played the woo, Scott. Yeah, I had a really good matchup. And my oh. team came out and batted 180, I think, after the first week. Yeah, that's not easy to do. Uh, it's, <laughs> and then they ended the week, the second week, as a team batting 240. So we had a very good second week. But the first week was so bad. I think Doolittle had two blown saves. Um it just his ERA, I think, was 37 at the end of the first week. It was just <laughs> atrocious. <laughs> it was so bad. Uh, but overall, the structure, I really liked it. I thought it was a great idea, a great way to get in a fulfilling season and the best we can do under the circumstances. And honestly, you could ask anybody that was around me. I was so ready to have fantasy baseball in July. I didn't care how we did it, but I yeah. thought the way we did it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you you batting one eighty through that first week—that's almost playing up up to the woo. Uh, <laughs> sorry, John. Yeah, but, and uh, he had Luis Robert, who I think hit during that time frame, hit six or seven home runs in that two week. Luis Robert alone beat me, beat my team. It was horrible. <laughs> Not good times. <laughs> hey, listen. So, one of the things I kind of wanted to explore. Uh, a little bit on on this interview for this interview your your path 
to the BDL was pretty unique, actually. We, we have a long history uh, in, in this league with kind of a, a in um, an adjacent relationship to Baseball America uh, in terms of the fact that, you know, Brent, our co-commissioner, uh, Brent of the Wallabies, has, has been with us now um, pretty much since the beginning. Uh, I think he came on board... I think I recruited Brent maybe late 05, November, December 05. He he could pro- he might remember that. But anyway, of course, he, he, he went on to be a, a longtime staffer for Baseball America now. And um, uh, he had referred to us at some point about the about the middle point of the life of the, of the league so far. Uh, another writer for Baseball America, Connor Glassy. And we'll try not to 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 spear Connor too too badly on this on this podcast. Love you, Connor. If you ever happen to hear this someday, but um, Connor Connor was not the best fit for us. Um, di- didn't really work out. I think he actually ended up leaving BA and taking a taking a minor league scouts position with the Indians. Is that it was right? the yeah it was the Indians? I think Scott. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think so. But he, um, you know fine enough writer i'm sure he's a he's a serviceable scout <laughs> he is not cut out for fantasy baseball <laughs> and uh and so kind of after that experience um you know brent would refer to us other people he knew uh through his work at, at baseball america for for a period of years and we would just bat them out of the way left and right nope sorry not going through this again sorry nope <laughs> Got burned the first time, maybe later. Um, at some point down the down the road, um, uh, he 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 wore us down, and, and and we rolled the dice on Matt Eddie. Of course, we didn't know Matt personally at that time. He he did, but uh, you know Matt came in, and and Matt was uh, Matt was in, in kind of an immediate uh, shot in the arm for the league in in a lot of ways. He's a you know high quality. Uh, a GM, he's great on the boards. He he's he's a great fantasy manager, uh, so he he's been really great for the league. And then when we had this opening for your team, uh, Matt, if I remember this correctly, he he I think he might have reached out to me, or maybe I reached out to him. I don't recall exactly, but um, he said, you know, I, I have a I have a respectable amount of Twitter followers, uh, and of course they're all baseball minded. And would you mind if? maybe I helped market this opening for the league. You know, we could maybe, you know, cast a wider net and, and find, uh, find a really good candidate. And I said, you know, that's, that's, that's an out of the box idea. Let's you've got a decent platform. Let's, let's use that. So he, uh, he pushed out, I don't know, a, a one or two Twitter uh, post, a couple tweets there, um, maybe with the general question or maybe a link to the application. I, I'm, I don't even remember that, but Anyway, you were one of the, I'll say probably four or five candidates um, that that were uh, kind of had the, the standout um, initial, uh, um, uh, you know, comments to Matt, you know, and and so we of course put you through the process with a few others, and and you came out on top. But you know that that's a very you know, no, no one else who, who is involved with what we do, had, you know, went through that kind of process and was found through a, through a, a Twitter uh, campaign for a, an, an editor for a national baseball publication. So it's actually a pretty cool story. Um, 
So I don't, I don't know if in general you have any thoughts on, on reflecting back on that, kind of what that was like. I don't know. Maybe you had some exchanges with Matt before you even spoke to me. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, it, I actually, you were the first person I talked to. And our first interaction, I sent you an email asking about the application because I hadn't heard back after two weeks. And I think you responded, we were leaning towards you, but this kind of sealed the deal at this moment that you showed this kind of interest. So I've ever uh, since then, any job interview, I'm always going to follow up because it seems to make an impression. So, um, but I, I really appreciate that, appreciated that, Scotty, because I am really excited to be in this league. I can tell you guys are all great, which I can't say about previous baseball, fantasy baseball leagues I've been in before. Um, there's normally one person I'm challenging with and this league's really actually challenging me, which is fun. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah. everyone's really good and they don't let you get away with a deal that shouldn't be accepted is the way I should say it. Yeah, um, yeah. and I got roasted for my very first trade in the league. <laughs> uh, and rightfully so looking back on it, I'm not a big fan of Zach Gallen. Uh, I think he's overrated. But I still could have gotten more in the trade is the right way to put it. Yeah. And so I will forever remember Scott's reaction when I made that trade. <laughs> oh, uh, Scott's reaction. Scott was good. <laughs> yeah. And there goes my first question for his transaction, Scott. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'll uh, talk real briefly about where I was before. And uh, sure. I, I used to work at... Uh, baseball info solutions which is located in copley pennsylvania they acquire a lot of data for several people who work in baseball several teams Uh, they have stats they created defensive run saved Um, the company's owned by bill james and i did a lot of watching baseball and taking down uh, stats in game And then I would review the stats after the next morning and make sure everything was clean. Everything I took down, you know, timing the baseball from when it left the bat to when it got to whoever fielded it, plotting it on a field, um, any notes that needed to be taken about it. And so I watched in my two years there about a thousand baseball games, uh, taking stats and I worked some days from 6 a.m. to 2 a.m. And it's not because they made me. It's because I always wanted the extra work. But there were some really long days and there was a lot of work there. But I did learn a ton. Uh, I got to write a lot of great scouting reports and really learn how to evaluate talent. And so I'm really appreciative of the time there. But after that, I went out and looked for a different job because I didn't want to keep working the minimum wage job forever, even if it wasn't baseball. And I wanted to try and move up the chain in baseball. And I never got a job I really job offer I really liked. And so I ended up moving into what I currently do. And so when I saw that tweet by Matt, I was really excited to at least do something related to baseball. And knowing Matt in, is in a league, I knew it was going to be a high quality fantasy baseball league. And something that could keep me interested in baseball as well while I'm working a, a normal desk job now. That is a really, that is a really cool story. I'm, I'm glad you shared that. Yeah. That's, that's, that's really, that's really neat. Um, you know, I, I we, we're very fortunate here to have, you know, kind of collected a, a group of, you know, very diverse 
I think backgrounds and, 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 you know, of course, but what we all have in common is, is that love for baseball. It manifests in different ways and, and from different backgrounds and coming from different parts of the country and, 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 and all that. But, uh, uh, you know, I think, I think your story really, really fits in with, with the, uh, the, the spirit of, of the BDL over, over the, over time. I also would say after I left that BI, uh, BIS job I and in college I applied for a couple jobs at Baseball America and I never heard back so this is kind Uh-oh. of yeah you know, this made me like Baseball America <laughs> a little bit more after getting into this league but beforehand there was a rocky relationship that's I Brent's bet fault. that's on Brent's for sure yeah <laughs> in all honesty I had no writing experience and that's all the jobs that they have obviously with what they do so I totally understood but you always apply and you never know what's going to happen so um, I, I thought it was that, ro- that it was that rotten it was that rotten Connor who intercepted your, your, your letters. <laughs> yeah, he was trying to get me to come to the BDL. That's what Connor was trying to do. <laughs> oh man! So yeah, you're um, when, when you first you know stepped into the league and, and got got established on 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 our CBS site. What was your? I'm curious. What was your initial? assessment initial impression of of the roster that you took over you know it's very very you know when you, when you step in into a dynasty league you're, you're you're taking over someone else's creation for for lack of a better term that you then mold to into your own you know it's not a it's not a redraft league where you kind of get to make your mark right away in terms of you know redrafting uh you know a new slate of talent so, you know, you, you had to look at that team coming in and, and say, well, I don't, I don't know what you thought. This is a dumpster fire or there's something to work with here. But clearly you were, in, you were interested enough to take on the challenge. So just kind of tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. And I kept a image of what my roster looked like when I first got it. So I can always go back and look at it. But I remember seeing that they he had won the division that he was in and – I could see that the roster was a little bit older and that even the farm system was used to house players who were uh, major league players, but he had more room to try and get extra players into the lineup. Um, Yadier Molina, Albert Pujols, uh, Chu Shin Chu all stood out. And I, I remember thinking this is an old team and I need to make a decision because I plan on being uh, the GM of this team for several years, do I want to try and make an impression in my first year and go win the division and try and make a run in the playoffs? Or do I say, nope, we're going to try and retool. And I knew the consequences if I did go for it, retooling would not be an option. I would have to do a complete rebuild. And I hate doing complete rebuilds. I love retooling as a GM. And so I knew that as much as I really wanted to make a good first impression with the league in my first season, uh, the long-term success of this team was going to be, need to be retooled. And I felt a little bad because from everything I could tell, Arlie seemed like a great guy. And I know he probably worked very hard to build this team and to have the success he had the previous season. And so I felt kind of bad tearing down his team and trying to retool quickly to remain competitive, but also try to get more young talent. But I could not convince myself to, to give his team one more, one more year together. I had to retool (laughs) it as fast as I could. And um, 
you could see with a few of the first trades I made right away, the direction we were going, uh, the farm system to me was not sustainable. There were so many guys on there that I did not like. I didn't think they, even guys who were top 100 prospects, they were guys I didn't like as top 100 prospects. I thought they were overrated. And so I really had to find young guys that I would like, like having on the team, felt good having them as a future part of the team and building through them. And that's kind of the moves we made. Um, if you want to talk about some of them, I will defend all of them. Uh, the, we already <laughs> talked about the Zach Gallon, Brent Rooker one. Uh, Brent Rooker showed for nine games what I think he can do in the majors, but I, I still agree looking back, that's probably the worst trade I've made. And I could have asked for more from Chris. Yeah, but. I think we're going to give uh, I think we're going to give Mike the opportunity to sort of put you on the hot, hot seat with some of those moves here in just a few minutes. Um, <laughs> uh, so that that ought to be fun. But yeah, so and you've kind of scratched the surface of this, uh, the answer to this question a little bit already. But if if, if you would just kind of expand on it some, you know, we I, I know we're biased here, but, you know, we we like to consider being accepted into the BDL kind of to be a promotion to the major leagues of, of fantasy baseball. I mean, that's just kind of the standard that we try to operate with that. Maybe sometimes we fall short, but I think we've done a pretty good job over the years of, of, of grabbing that bar. So what, what was your experience of stepping into the league like, or maybe to put it more bluntly, are, are we just full of ourselves here in the BDL? <laughs> yeah, we are. Scotty. <laughs> I have to say it's it's very rare you find a 16 team league where you are have 16 capable managers. That's very rare uh, from my experiences, and maybe that's false. But uh, to have a league where you have baseball professionals who are around baseball all the time being challenged shows how good everyone who isn't a baseball professional in this league is at fantasy baseball. I believe, um, and so. I, when I took this, I knew it was going to be a challenge, that there were going to be some great G, uh, managers here, GMs. It's both. I guess we just do everything as it. We're the owner, GM, and manager. Uh, but I, I didn't realize how deep this league was. I, there, are, It looks like there's five or six teams every year that can compete for the championship, which is crazy, but also yeah. shows how well run this league is. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Um I, usually, I mean, you know, you could probably single out, you know, your, your, maybe your top two or three most elite clubs every year, but I, without question, I think you can nearly go half a dozen deep every season, uh, and, and identify, uh, clubs that, that have a realistic shot, you know, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe not as, as good of a shot as, you know, someone at, at the number one or number two power ranking, but, um, you know, we, we've seen time and time again in this league, you know, watching the playoffs unfold, you know, a number four, number five, number six seed, you know, make a run to the finals, sometimes win the whole thing. Um, so, yeah, I would I would definitely agree with that with that statement. And, you know, uh, we we sort of consider, I think, the, the, the BDO forum to be the lifeblood, you know, of our community in, in the sense that, you know, we really like to promote a true community here. It's not just a, uh, you know, a Yahoo sports chat room that you kind of run into one of your, your league mates from time to time in, um, on, or over email or, 
you know, we, we kind of like to promote that, that feeling that we're all in a room together all the time, every mm-hmm. day, you know, and that room is the forum and, and, you know, to, to socialize, to get to know each other, to banter and, and, and all those things. And, uh, I really have to say, um, I think you're one of the current MVPs of the BDL forum right now. I mean, you constant content, you're, you're, you're always, you know, uh, offering opinions, weighing in on news, um, and, and those types of things. And, and that is really hits at the heart, you know, of historically what, what the BDL is about. So I just want to thank you for that. Number one, and kind of number two, what, in terms of, you know, the, the forum itself, are there things you'd like to see more of people talk about more of, um, something else that we could do to make it, make it a more valuable experience? I would like to have a full se- regular season under my belt probably before I answered that because this year was so unique. I saw several people mention that the forum wasn't the same that it normally is uh, during kinda the season. Kind of hard to judge it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah kind of hard to judge in 2020. I'd like to use my team's channel a little bit more. I wanted to start posting foreign scouting reports because I'm so invested in the KBO and MPB based off what I used to do in BIS. I learned Japanese and Korean. And so I I really like watching those to keep practicing, but also to watch more baseball. And I'd like to use my team form a little bit more to practice writing and doing scouting reports and provide more information than just what I do on the regular BDL smack talk. Gotcha. Gotcha. So it's more of what I can do to help the league than really what the league can do at this point. So maybe I'll have a better answer after my first season, but for now I'd like to try and provide more content myself if I can. Sounds good. If you could post right, those Mike. in English as opposed to Japanese. Please, uh, <laughs> I have one out there. On I wrote my first one, and then I didn't do another one the entire year, which I'm disappointed about. But it is the Korean guy who's really young pitcher who I really like. But it is in English. I translated all That's the good. stats and all the reports I read from Korean to English. So. I wouldn't do that to you, Mike. That's that's good. I did work for a Korean guy as a teenager, so I know how to say hello on the phone in Korean. That's, that's about the extent of my knowledge. All right, Mike. It's uh, it's time to make Alex walk through fire. So yeah. what have you got? Bring I it. Don't hold back. Uh, you know, he, he was very wise to talk about that first trade right off the bat. Uh, the advice <laughs> that we give to a lot of the new owners right when they get in the league is don't make a trade right away. Because nine times out of ten, it's going to be with Johnny or Bill, and you're just going to get destroyed on the thing. And we're going to mock you for like the next six months. Uh, so the the one good thing is is you clearly uh, did not you know fall for one of those offers early, but but you made a trade with the Bears, uh, which was noted before, where you traded Zach Allen, who I think is currently ranked as like the number twelve starting pitcher going in this league, uh, for Brenton Rooker, an outfielder from Minnesota who's played a half dozen or so games in Major League <laughs> Baseball. Uh, thoughts on what you were thinking at the time and your thought on what Rooker could be going forward? Yeah, so my projections for Gallon headed into 2020 was that his ERA was going to balloon to 4.3, 4.4. I don't love his stuff. I think in Arizona – the extra hits would really cause strain on him. I don't think he does well going deep into games. So I felt that he had a good rookie season and he's a quality, he's an, he's a quality pitcher, but he's going to 
come back to the norm. And I felt he was an average pitcher, a number three, number four guy. And so I felt I should get trade for him while he's hot. And like I said, I probably should have asked for more because it's not the value I put on the player. It's the value the other team puts on the player. And Gallon could have gotten me a lot more. But in terms of Rooker, he's a guy who's always hit no matter where he's gone. Uh, he has power. He has a hit tool. His big problem is where is he going to play defensively? And in a fantasy baseball league, I don't care where you're going to play defensively too much. Obviously, some position-wise helps. If you have a catcher who can hit, that's a huge plus. But uh, in terms of first base or a corner outfielder, I really didn't care where he played. I just knew that this guy could hit. Uh, when I watched him <clears throat> play internationally with Team USA, I was extremely impressed with how well he played. And to me, watching him hit foreign pitchers who are a lot more technical and have a lot more deception and a lot more pitches for him to be able to go out there and have the quality at bats he had and still hit the ball. Well showed me he was a quality hitter ready for the majors. And obviously his hard part is breaking the lineup with Minnesota, but I'm confident that he's a 290, 300 hitter who can hit 25, 30 home runs. And that's probably not the common perception of him. I'm sure if you talk to other scouts, they would, they would not think that that is his projection at all, but I'm really high on Brent Rooker. Uh, I saw him play when he was at Mississippi state and I really like him. Uh, and so that's just my value being higher than I think most people, but what you saw for those nine games that he was playing, I think that's what he's going to be doing. He's going to be hitting the ball hard. He's going to hit a lot of doubles, drive a lot of runs in. And I think the power will come. He's probably not going to be a career 316 hitter. I understand that, but I still think he's a great hitter. So what you're saying is this trade could work out better than my initial trade of Zach Cranky for Faltino De Los Santos. That <laughs> That's what you're telling me? I, I, it has the potential to to work out better, but it also has the potential to be a complete bust where Gallon turns out to be an ace for several years and Rooker flames out. I mean, it, it's definitely still very risky, but I felt really good based off what he did this season. And of course he had to get hit by a pitch and lose the rest of his season. So um, we'll see. It, it could be horrible. This could be one that I never lived down and I'm willing to admit if it doesn't work out. So, so the, the trade you made with, uh, with Chris was in November. Uh, so after two months of being mocked, I imagine you made trades two and three and uh, trade three that you made with the Scorpions is one that, that uh, just came to mind because we just had a change in ownership on the Scorpions team, and a friend of mine named Steven took over the team. And he was wondering where all his draft picks went for this year. <laughs> and, and I had to go back and find out where all his draft picks went, and then I realized you have all his draft picks, and it was via trade that you, a trade you made with the Scorpions for Max Muncy uh, back in the beginning of 2020, which is a trade that I'm sure you're much happier. Yeah, I think this is one that I will look back and this was a huge trade for me moving forward. Uh, I wish I would have kept, I, I actually don't wish that I kept the first round pick, but the number two overall pick would have been nice if I had known that Scott would have ended up with that pick. But I did trade it for Grayson Rodriguez, so you can actually add him to the trade. But the original trade was the five first-round picks, Evan White, a uh, first baseman from Seattle, and then Brennan Davis, a top prospect uh, outfielder from the Cubs. And I felt like I got a really good return 
Uh, I tried to get Tyler Freeman in that deal as well, but Scott wasn't having it um, just for post, uh, which I can understand why. But I'm very happy with Brendan Davis. I think he's turned out to be a fantastic player and will be a great player once he gets to the majors. Evan White had a rough first year, but he was a rookie and you can expect some learning curve. And so I'm excited to see what he does. And then, like I said, the five picks, I think I have two of them still, and the other three have already been included in trades. And one of them netted me Grayson Rodriguez, which I'm very happy to have him. I think he's a a true ace. Speaking of that Grayson Rodriguez trade, uh, the the trade you made uh, last July was actually with my team, the Rockets. Yep. Um, At the time that I made that offer, did you understand what I was trying to do getting that back? I can't say that I did. I was just really excited to get Grayson Rodriguez because I think he's a a true ace. Um, I wasn't sure if you were trying to clear a spot or if you were just hedging a bet that Scott uh, would lose the first round and then you would get a top eight pick out of it. Yeah, so so at at the beginning of that tournament format when it got laid out, I saw two teams – that I thought had a 50-50 shot of losing the first round, and had they lost that round, would be the favorites going into the next round. And we we, we had spoken about a trade sometime earlier in that season, and I know you've mentioned Rodriguez, and I thought, you know Mm -hmm. what, this is a guy I know that he really likes. And this trade could blow up on me really badly, because if the Scorpions win in round one, this is going to be a bottom, probably a bottom four pick, and this is going to be a really bad trade. But if they lose in round one, then this has a legitimate shot to be the number one overall pick. And it got close to the number one overall <laughs> pick, so I didn't mind that one. Um, so uh, speaking of big trades that you made, uh, on January 12th, you made the Muncie trade. On January 29th, you made another interesting trade where you moved McCutcheon, Anderson, and Miguel Amaya to the Cardinals. Which is which would be interesting because you're trading with the guy that helped you get into the league. Do you have any thoughts on that trade? Yeah, it it hurts to lose Anderson. I mean, Tim Anderson is a, a monster, and he's still good age so, or young player, so it's someone that I could have definitely built around. But I look at the five guys I got, which is Jose Urquidy, Dylan Carlson, Jeter Downs, Luis Arias, and Aaron Savali. And I really felt like I've got a really good pros- uh, package back in return. Dylan Carlson. I think, it was a good, I think it was a really good return. Carlson's a top 10 player. Uh, yeah, his stats weren't great for this first year, but it was, again, a weird season. And he came up after they had their COVID scare, did really poorly, and then was sent back down. And he came back up towards the end of the season, and he hit 275, got a home run, and was driving in a lot of runs. And during the postseason, he was their number Uh, four hitter I think so I think they have a lot of confidence in him Jeter Downs will probably make the majors this year and there's a lot of praise from the Red Sox about him Uh, Luis Arias I would say is probably the biggest disappointment this year Um, he he talked about adding more power to it and he didn't hit a single home run the entire season Uh, he did get hurt a little bit and then Aaron Savali actually pitched really well most of the year he just had two bad starts at the end of the year that ballooned his ERA, but overall, I I got five guys who are young, really talented, and uh, I'm not I'm not a huge Miguel Amaya fan, so I really didn't mind trading him. I know he's a top 100 prospect, but like I said, there were guys I'm not as high on, and Tim Anderson was the one that hurts. I'm not gonna lie, losing Tim Anderson, uh, looking back, it'd be great to have him on my team, 
but I also realized you got to give something up to get something. And my goal was to add a lot of talent. And I really think I did that. I added five players under the age of 25, three that are already in the majors and two that are top 100 prospects. So I felt it was a good return, but I can understand why people would be asking why I would even consider trading Tim Anderson. Uh, speaking of that trade, a piece that you got in that trade was what was actually included in a trade you just made with the Beers, where you traded mm-hmm. Savali for Dakota Hudson and his second-round pick. Th- 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 thoughts yeah. on moving Savali off? Yeah, uh, like I said, I like Savali. Um, he performed a lot better than I thought he was going to this year, and I felt that his ERA ended a little high. I think he's a three, six, three, seven ERA guy, not quite getting a strikeout per inning. So fantasy wise, he's a good player, but he's not a great player. And I felt Dakota Hudson was actually a step up in terms of Aaron Savali. Obviously Dakota's hurt and I won't get to see him the entire season while he's recovering from Tommy John. Um, and that's why I think the beers were willing to move Dakota Hudson to get Aaron Savali is because they're going all in this year and I'm willing to let Hudson recover this year. Cause I feel I have even with Hudson out one of the best rotations in the league. So moving Savali and getting Hudson, it helps me in the long term where I'm still trying to grow into that. Uh, and then a second round pick for this year as well, I think is huge because there's a lot of guys I really like in this draft. And so getting more picks helps me get those guys. All right. All right. Appreciate the insight there. Yeah, I think you're, you know, you're doing a, doing an admirable job getting the team, uh, you know, kind of rearranged and built your way, and and uh, interested to see uh, how that continues to to uh, to go for you here as we head into the 2021 season, and and all cross our fingers that uh, we we get to play as many <laughs> many baseball games as, as possible. Uh, Alex, if you don't care, we'd just like to kind of end on a on a more casual note here, just a few easy things. Um, you know, as mentioned, uh, this is your kind of your first opportunity to really put yourself out there and, and let the other guys, uh, really get to know you in a, in a, in a substantial way. So just some, just some get to know you questions, if that's all right, most of them related to, to baseball, uh, just to kind of get a sense of, uh, kind of who you are, where you've come from and, and your love for the game and, and those sorts of things. So, could you just maybe just tell us your favorite baseball story? Like if your favorite, the, the, the spark for you in, in, in your personal life that, that helped grow that, that love for the game. That's, that's a tough one. Um, my mom always used to tell stories when I was a kid. Uh, she was a single mom. And so obviously she'd work a full day and then come have to deal with a rowdy two-year-old. And she said the way she'd always used to calm me down is she would take me to the baseball fields, the little league baseball fields, and just watch those games. And I'd sit on the bleachers still and just watch uh, for two Mm. hours. So I feel that baseball has always been my favorite sport and a part of me. It's it's weird to to say that, but uh, when I used to – I have one of my earliest memories is watching the White Sox put 12 runs up in an inning against the Kansas City Royals when I was six or seven. And, uh, that's, that's one I remember fondly. I was at my babysitter's house watching it on the TV. She, she knew the same thing. You put a baseball game on and sit me down and I'll sit still for a couple hours. But once baseball's turned (laughs) off, I was a monster to deal with. So, uh, that's probably the best story I can explain about how 
baseball has always been number one sport of my life. I was always a big Hank Aaron fan growing up. I had a Hank Aaron baseball card uh, from age six or seven. That was my favorite player. I never got to watch him play, obviously, because I'm, I think I'm 26. So it was a little before my time, but I, I used to love watching replays of him play. And Ken Griffey Jr. was my other favorite player. And I used to watch every game I possibly could if he was on on the screen. Uh, and he's why I played center field when I wasn't catching, because I'd wear my hat backwards and play like the kid out in center field. So <laughs> I, I, that's it's funny you, you say that I, I kind of have a similar experience growing up with having an attachment to um, to a ball player that was long retired by the time I was a I was a child. And that was that was Mickey Mantle. Um, I, I don't really know exactly why I, I developed, uh, you know, an affection for, for Mickey Mantle. I have never been a Yankee fan in my life. Um, but, but the only thing I can point to, I, I had, and, and I don't know if anyone else in the league maybe would remember these, maybe some of uh, some of the guys in their, in their 40s um, might remember these being around. There, there were these little, little niche products called talking baseball cards. Um, this would have been maybe like very early 80s, maybe very late 70s or pushing the mid eighties. I, I don't re- recall exactly, but uh, it, w- what they were, were, were 45 records. They were records and, and would come in and they were marketed as a talking baseball card. Uh, and you would punch them out and put them on your record player. And it might be, I think the one I had for Mickey Mantle was like it, like an old interview with Mickey from whenever it is sometime in his career. I think um, it was followed by, by clips from an old game of one of his, one of his most more important games, you know? Um, but I, I just remember having that and someone at some point just bought it for me as a gift and gave it to me. Um, and I don't know, I, I used to, uh, used to always hope I could, I could, uh, uh, somehow find a way to come to own a Mickey Mantle rookie card when I was, you know, six, six years old. Of course, at the time I, I didn't realize how out of reach that was, <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, I, I can, I can relate to that very much. Um, so what about your, what about your favorite baseball movie? Uh, it has, Oh man, that's a tough one. Um, it probably has to be just because when I was young, I, it's probably not my favorite now, but it's the one that really helped continue to grow. My love of baseball was angels in the outfield. My mom said oh, yeah. she'd have, she'd plug that in and I would sit down and I could watch it every day, the entire year and never get bored of the movie. So it's probably that one, although being from Iowa and there being a certain baseball field uh, where they're going to be playing a certain game that I really want to get tickets to uh, in Dyersville, um, you know, I, I can't discount that that movie in particular with the Field of Dreams. But um, I it, probably have to give it to Angels in the Outfield just because of how many times I've seen that movie. It's, it's gotta be close to six or 700, honestly. Um, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Um, th- this is, this is not my favorite baseball movie, but just kind of along those same lines. Um, I, I probably the baseball movie I can recall watching the most, um, just throughout childhood was, do you, do you remember rookie of the year? Yes. Yes. That kind of a, kind of a semi bad <laughs> movie with, you know, the, the kid who like breaks his arm or something and the way it's repaired, he can throw heat, you yep. know, at what a hundred miles an hour and whatnot. Anyway, 
that that movie happened to come along right about the time that that HBO was becoming like I mean it was saturating the country in terms of of you know penetration in, into into homes in in the country and you know just about everyone could had or could have HBO at that time and we 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 had HBO it was the only mo- movie channel we had and they would they would play that it's it seemed like like 30 times a week and it was just always on you know uh, but uh, yeah that looking back that that movie sort of sucked <laughs> They didn't have, um, I don't think they even had TV in Canada back then. Back then? Like now we barely have TV. Uh, <laughs> I do have one a lot, you know, a place I can plug in within the igloo, which is kind of nice. But uh, <laughs> yeah, TV is kind of a foreign thing for most people up here. Well, you know, it's, 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 you know, it, luxuries are relative, Mike. They're, 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 it's all relative. Maybe someday you'll get there. Um, one, one, one day. So, um, this is not, not baseball related, but what, what about your favorite band or artist? What kind of music are you into? Man, I'm going to get a lot of heat for this. Um, That's I really, point. yeah, <laughs> I really listen to a lot of, a lot of songs from a lot of different eras. Uh, my go-to is probably alternative, um, Okay. And recently, Alternative has turned a little bit more poppy. My favorite band ever is probably a, a younger group called Time Flies. Um, they, they, they're they classified as Alternative. They've never really had a big song that I think anybody would ever know if I said any of them. Um, but that would probably be my favorite group. But, you know, I'm a University of Iowa student. So whenever I hear Back in Black, uh, I go kind of crazy because that's the walkout song for the football team at Iowa. So... Uh, you really can't play any music I don't like. And there's probably a lot of music I listen to that people would roll their eyes at just because I have Spanish music and Japanese and Korean songs as well, just because I know those languages. So that's, if you listen to my playlist, there would probably be 50% that you would like and 50% of the songs you would hate. And that's kind of how I describe my music taste for most people is it's hit or miss for most people. He's a uh, pop uh, guy. For sure, he's a K-pop. <laughs> no, I am not. No, he's, no, I am not. B- trust me. BTS fan, guaranteed. <laughs> That's what this is. I know who you're talking right. about, but honestly, I think the only song I could name from them is that one that they released that was like played of, everywhere of course, on the radio. Of course, it is. Of course. <laughs> I Google "Time Flies." It's a Drake song. This band doesn't exist. It's a <laughs> He's a K-pop fan. That's all right. Evan East is also into BTS. She's she's got posters all over the walls too. That's all right. No judgment. No judgment. No judgment. It sounds like judging, and it sounds like that's going to cost me if I ever try to make a trade with you in the future. <laughs> this guy's clearly insane. Ask for more. Ask for more. <laughs> uh, Mike, uh, in 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 post production, remind me to download a, a crickets chirping soundbite for this segment. Uh, I think we're going to need to use it. Um, You're you're talking to a couple monster Van Halen fans, just for your uh, information. Um, And anything that is softer than like Van Halen uh, (laughs) is a problem. See, yeah, yeah. Well, well, it it would be worse if you were talking to Joe. If 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 Joe was on this podcast. 
Um, Joe hates and, the Beatles. You were... Put it this way. Joe hates the Beatles. He thinks they're not a rock yeah. band. Yeah. Well, He's they're not a, a rock band. No. Oh! Oh, God. <laughs> All right. So Joe and, I, for, Joe and I have something let's in common. Let's look for a new owner. Let's look yeah. for a new owner, Scott. Jeez, <laughs> out of the league. Time for a new mad. tweet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. And, and eight comes to Matt this time. Somebody else tweet something out. <laughs> Anybody still have Connor's number? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, there you go. Now you get your headline for this podcast. Wait till minute 51. <laughs> There's some spicy takes in there from Alex. Jeez, Joe's going to love it. Right. And, and, and I should note, at least on my counter for the um, for the podcast, Mike, we're, we're, we're just at the 5150 mark. Yep. Yep. And, and, and he hits us with that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I didn't want it to end with a cordial nice interview i needed well, something well, in there well, that well you've done it congratulations <laughs> <laughs> time is flying yeah you, you uh, you're gonna brand me as the k-pop gm i'm gonna come out here swinging i'm not gonna take that sitting down so van halen sucks beatles aren't rock i don't know what else oh i could throw gosh. out there <laughs> what is happening <laughs> you can blame it on mike he's he's stereotyping me yes can you name four or five how many of the guys in the back can you name come on I can't name any of them, and uh, I think I can name one, two Korean pop stars. They're both women, so I, I honestly I couldn't name any of the BTS. And we the, are the funny part you would, is you would, some of them will have actually English names. I'm sure of it. If you were to pull it up and Google it, they, I'm they, sure there's they do. two. They do. They do. And I know them. And it's my niece's fault that I know two or three of the names. Oh, <laughs> uh, so you're the real K-pop yeah, person. One is RM, if memory serves, which is code for Rap Monster, I think. But I blame my niece for this. I blame my niece we, for this. We, we have never been more off the rails. Nope. And so ends our show, everybody. <laughs> we could just cut out the last couple minutes here. We yeah, don't, we're oh not going to air all no, of this. No, this is the last half hour. <laughs> No, we, we we this we this we we need to expose you so this this no. this stays. Um, I am joking okay. about the Van Halen. That was just to get a reaction from you guys. I hope you know that at this point. If not, uh, we may have to kick me out of the league. Okay, so, okay, stop, stop, stop. Problem solved. Other 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 than jump, and right now, name one Van Halen song. Don't you dare Google. I okay, Unchained. Okay, good, good, okay. good song. You're back. Too. Good You're back song. in the club. Okay. Good song to pick. Okay. Good song to pick. Very good. Very good. Okay. All right. Okay. Back on the rail. Okay. I had one more <laughs> question. We'll get through this. Yeah, one. go ahead. <laughs> You're 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 a good you're a good person to ask this uh, to because of your line of work and the amount amount that you travel. So, other than where you live, uh, which I assume you like where you live, best best city in the U.S. that you visited. Ah, crap. Um, Pro-American er, bias is really strong on this show. <laughs> we don't acknowledge Canada. <laughs> <laughs> My best friend is Canadian, so I'm not going to acknowledge it either. Oh, jeez. I like this guy. Oh, trust me. I have nothing what nice to say about like Canada. Mike, that's not nice. Yeah. <laughs> you can blame my best friend. Just because he's Jeez. Canadian doesn't mean I love Canada. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> horrible. Uh, horrible. My favorite city. Man, I 
I'm I'm stuck between I really enjoyed my time when I was in uh, Dallas, Kansas City, and Boston. Although I don't like the people, the bo- people of Boston are really mean. <laughs> That's the problem there. Kevin's gonna love this guy. <laughs> yeah, you will never trade with Kevin now. Uh, That's fine. Uh, <laughs> you don't want it. You don't want it any of his players anyway. And it's funny. So, so he hates Canada. So Stephen and me aren't going to trade with him. Yep. It's Boston that removes Kevin. <laughs> hates Van Halen. That's me again. And okay, that's five guys you can't trade with. <laughs> Keep him talking. Trade yeah. with you. I'm going to burn He's myself out of the league here. Offers. Good luck to him. <laughs> I'm going to burn myself out of the league. Is the so the moral? What, this what exactly? Podcast. What exactly is your unfiltered opinion of Philadelphia? I, I liked the city when I was there. Mm-hmm. I had several great Phillies games, and I lived in the Lehigh Valley, so I really enjoyed the Iron Pigs games as well. Um, it was a good city. I, I wouldn't say it's my top three, top five, but I did enjoy like living there. I have a lot of good memories there. The, jo- Johnny will never send you an offer worth accepting anyway, so it doesn't <laughs> yeah, really matter what your opinion is. That's a good point. Just Chris, he needs a Colorado guy now, so. Yeah, I would probably say Denver is, that might be, that might be my favorite city I visited. Denver yeah, I was or wondering, Seattle. I, I was wondering if you would say that. I think that would be, would be my answer as well, actually. Um, that, that, that I, I had a, I had a really good time there when I visited. Yeah, it's hard. I, I really there's a place in Kansas City called the Power and Lights District where they have an outdoor concert. Uh, it's different every week. Just different bands stop there, and there's a lot of great places to drink and a lot of great food at the Power and Lights District. And they have lights that hang over at night, so it's a really cool spot. And I really remember every time I've been there, it's been fantastic. So that's why Kansas City kind of sticks out there. Although I will say the heat, uh, the humidity in the summer absolutely sucks, but uh, I really did enjoy my time there too. Cool. Uh, for the correct right. answer, the best city in America is Lake Bonavista, Florida. That's the best, <laughs> best city. In, that's the best city in America. It's the home of Walt Disney World for all. Do you enjoy people. Disney World? Is what he's asking. <laughs> that's the best city in America. I haven't been there since I was, well, what would it seventh, eighth grade, two thousand seven, two thousand eight. I just never got back down there, and it was a little different because. I have a big age difference between my siblings. So I had to follow a five and six year old around. And so I, I enjoyed my time there, but I feel like I should definitely go back now that I'm an adult. Um, and it would be a lot different than it is, than it was then. But Disney's I, a good time. I enjoy Disney. It's fun. Okay. Fi- fi- final question. We'll let you go. Uh, have to ask this while you're here. Give us your official BDL championship prediction for 2021. Oh God, that's, that's a rough one. So I'm pretty much going to burn a few more bridges on this podcast before it's done. That's what this show is about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, my first introduction to the league is going to be bad. So next year, if I do this again, I'm going to have to apologize to a lot of people. As, as if you're going to be in the league next year. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Continue with your answer. I thought I redeemed myself with the Van nah, Halen. Nah. Uh, bought myself a little time Uh, i'm gonna be honest i my preseason rankings for last year i had mike at fifth and he won the league so take this with a grain of salt yeah (laughs) i still lean i still lean the cardinals in my mind i think they're 
they've got a great lineup and they're very well balanced with their pitching. Mm. But my second choice, I I go back between the beers and the generals would be actually my two and three. Generals. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry. Thanks, Mike. Is my mic worried about that? This time next year, Mike might not be on the show. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's a good point. But I, yeah, I go back. It might be the beers, but uh, I definitely don't think Mike has a chance of repeating based off how the no, show's me gone. So. <laughs> me either. Mike's horrible. I concur. <laughs> but I would probably go Cardinals. That would be it. I, I, I like where the Lions are headed, but I'm not going to say with our lineup that we are a. Uh, top contender for the spot until those young guys actually get up and start hitting. But I do, I will stand by. I think we have one of the best rotations, uh, one of the best pitching staffs in the league. I'm willing to put them up against anybody, but hitting wise, I really do need some of these young guys to come up if I want to challenge next year and actually hit the ball. Well, you're, you're light years ahead of the Memphis chicks. I'll at least say that. (laughs) I go Scotty. One more quick question for Alex since we got him on the line. Uh, with the pitching staff that you have, it's excellent, but it's also getting older. Are you concerned about the timing of when your hitters are going to be ready to go versus your pitching staff? I don't think so. I think Scherzer still has a couple of years. Uh, Garrett Cole's 32, so he'll be pitching for a few years. And then I think Dustin May and uh, Gosselin are going to be studs. Uh, Dustin May has true frontline potential and Gosselin, um, I think will be a solid two. And then, like I said, I'm very excited about Grayson Rodriguez. I think Joe Ryan will be a good pitcher as well. And then we'll see if Tanner Hoke or Hoek, however you say his last name, I struggle with that. If he can do what he did last year, uh, you had the potential for a stud, but he had a very short stint in the major. So I'm really excited about who I have. I think I do have a few guys who are 32, 33 that you know, three or four years, they may not be as good as they are now, but I also think I have a lot of young guys that I think will be here for several years. And if I keep drafting well, um, I'll just keep restocking. And I have confidence in my ability to identify pitchers and get them, get guys who are going to be good pitchers in the majors. Sounds good. Good deal. Alex, we appreciate you very much for coming on the show uh, and entertaining us for uh, for the last hour. So uh, good luck this year, but not too much. And uh, Godspeed, sir. Thank you. And hopefully I'll be back next year and we can do another podcast. No, no promises. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, buddy. Okay, thanks again, Alex, for joining the show. That was that was a lot of fun, Mike. That really was. That really was. Yeah, we'll we'll we are going to consider having Alex back at some point in the future. Um, we 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 have to discuss some things and and see whether it makes sense and 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 maybe revisit his taste in music and see if it has uh, developed um, uh, later on down the road. But but we'll 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 talk about that. Uh, also may uh, have to time. revisit his participation in the league, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good times. Good, good times. Dude. Good, good times. I, you know, I had hoped that we could end the show uh, this time, Mike, with, with some comprehensive BDBA 
uh, chat, but um, the way things are looking, I just don't know that I have the appetite um, to, to talk about it too much. My, I, you know, I feel like we have such a good club on paper. The Cobras um, can never seem to get any real traction over these last couple seasons. Currently, I'm currently sitting fourth place in the Western Conference uh, after a, a pretty decent start. Um, and, and you know, we don't even have to begin talking about the UFAs unless you just want to do that. But wow, I don't know what's going on with your club, but it's, that makes it's two of in us. the toilet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's really weird. Yeah. Re- really weird. <laughs> really weird. But, uh, I'm having a yeah. bounce back week this week. Thank God. But that's about the only, <laughs> that's about the only good thing I could say about this team. Well, I, I hope whoever you're playing is, uh, bracing themselves for a, uh, a wild comeback this weekend. <laughs> yes. Let, let, let's see what happens for the rest of this weekend. <laughs> uh okay well we'll we'll get into some more hoops talk uh, next time uh but guys thanks for for joining us again appreciate you listening to the show uh, uh like like we said we're going to continue to do this um hopefully a couple times a month as, as time moves on here so uh, if there's any kind of content you want to see on the show just drop us a line give it let us know give us some ideas we would love to do a mailbag segment um so shoot us some how many some questions, questions did we get this week steve uh scotty how many uh, questions did we get? Uh, zero. Oh, zero. Zero. wow that's zero that's not, that's not so, so good no it's not so you know uh we you know if you want to ask something anonymously we don't have to use your name just let us know in the message and and we'll we'll pose the question talk about it uh but yeah that that would be a lot of fun but you know we, we need some some participation from the peanut gallery to make that happen so um th- throw some stuff at us but In any case, uh, Mike, it's been fun, and we'll uh, talk again soon. Sounds good, buddy. We'll see you soon. Out. Out.